than the state of New York by a similar demonstration of the collective faith of its people can accept and acknowledge that Santa Claus does exist and he exists in the person of Chris Pringle. Hello, movie lovers. You're listening to Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we talk about some of the best movies of all time to see if they still hold up. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're going over the 1994 remake of Miracle on 34th Street. I do not like Miracle on 34th Street, the story. I'm not (laughs) saying that I don't like this movie. I do not like the story of Miracle on 34th Street. It is the most... Christmas, but antithesis of Christmas movie I've probably ever watched in my entire life, where it's like, this is a Christmas movie, but the whole point is it's a bureaucratic nonsense of a trial about, is Christmas and Santa Claus real? How the f*** is that a Christmas movie? (laughs) So I actually brought this movie up to cover because I have fond memories of this movie. And I actually really appreciate this story because it's talking about belief and, you know, having that kind of thought provoking, is Santa real? And even if he isn't, even if he isn't, is the idea of him worth protecting? No, no. Okay. Yes. So that's a great conversation to have between you and me, you and us, Mm -hmm. you and other people. Like, having a conversation about that, making a movie about that is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because who's going to see a movie where they're questioning Santa and half of the movie is like, Santa sucks and he's not real? Who's going to see that movie? (laughs) Nobody. Well, you do get aspects of that in movies like Santa Claus or The Santa Claus, in which they think he's insane because he thinks he's Santa. Okay. That's a whole, that's a whole nother, that's not grounded in reality like this one. (laughs) Like that dude knocks off a fat guy off his roof and then magically becomes Santa Claus. This is about an old crazy dude who who thinks he's Santa Claus and maybe he is. Who knows? I think one of my favorite aspects of this movie is you can take it either way. You can take it no way. (laughs) It's just weird. It's just weird to have a Christmas movie that basically is saying Santa sucks. I, yeah, well... My thing is I love him trying to get uh, Mara Wilson's Susan to believe him and believe in something. Okay, so this was going to be a question I have later, but I think it's a great place to to start. Would this movie be better if we just got rid of all the trial stuff? And this fake Santa who works at this department store is actually the real Santa who Susan and... Miss, Mrs. Walker don't believe in and then he works his way into their lives to answer their Christmas prayers. That's it. That's the whole movie. Is that a better... That's a better movie, right? Oh, 100%. Like, the whole trial aspect of this movie can just go in the bin. It honestly drags the entire movie down, I will admit it. But I, I get why it's there. It's just not great. I'm not saying it needs to... It needs to go away for this movie. But if somebody wanted to make a trial-based Santa Claus movie, I think I'd be okay with that. If we didn't split it into two movies, where it's this wonderful family love story happening on one half of the movie, and the other half is, does Santa exist in a court of law? 
they're two very opposite things that they're trying to smash together. And each one works on its own, but they don't work together. So I agree and I don't agree at the same time because... In the trial one, you still need some reason to believe this Santa guy. Like you still need a like out out of outside person to believe in Santa enough to really yeah, care. Yeah, there other people can exist. But I also agree with you because yes, if it, the movie was just about him trying to get this little girl to believe, wonderful movie. If it was just a movie about this trial of does corporate America believe in santa no no not corporate america usa or the mm. state government believing in santa okay. that's what that whole trial is about yeah it's not about the random person on the street it, the law is tr they're trying to say that the law says santa is real ah that's the yeah. point of this trial so if, if that was the whole aspect of the movie then yes right and then you're bringing up these witnesses who saw him be good who did these things who he spoke with who he signed with who he whatever mm -hmm. that could be a movie in and of itself hour and a half cut print let's go and then santa claus helping this little girl believe in santa claus by giving her the family and everything that she wanted totally good movie too hour and a half cut print let's go yeah why are we taking these two things and smashing them together in a way that it's literally like you can see the halfway point of this movie you can <laughs> see the dramatic shift in the movie yeah. It's like, oh, happy-go-lucky movie, happy-go-lucky. What the fuck is happening now? When did it become this movie? Yeah. And then it stays that movie for the next, like, 40 minutes. So I have a theory about it that we'll bring up later, later. Okay. When, when we get there. Okay, okay. I can't wait. Well, it's just box office stuff. Budget, couldn't find one. But <laughs> 1993, I'm going to roughly assume this probably had about a 15 to $20 million budget. I don't think this movie's getting much more than that. Domestically, it only made seventeen point two million. Oof. Worldwide, forty six point three. Oh, okay. It was the eighty fourth highest grossing movie in nineteen ninety four. That's not bad. Adjusted for inflation, it's forty four point four million domestically, which would have moved it up to forty eighth place this year. Mm -hmm. Behind Gran Turismo, <laughs> no. which is a movie I did not care for. <laughs> no. Yeah, but. I went a little little further with the box office stuff, but in a fun in a fun way. In a fun way. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to take a look at how it got so trounced at the box office. So the same weekend this movie was released, here are the other three movies, big movies it had to compete with. The Swan Princess. Oh. The animated movie? Yep. I love that movie. Had to compete. Now that one only went on to gross ten million. Yeah. But still, that's ten million less out of uh, Miracle on 34th Street's Pocket. Leon the Professional. Okay. Which is a, a fantastic classic movie that a lot of people still love. And Star Trek Generations. Oh. <laughs> you had to compete against a Star Trek movie. You don't compete against Star Trek. No. The next weekend, you know, because it's always like, how well can you hold? What new is coming out the weekend after you come out? The next weekend, we get A Low Down Dirty Shame. Great movie. Oh, okay. Great movie. Made $30 million. Junior, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as a pregnant guy, thirty six point eight million. You've never seen this movie, have you? I'm sorry, what? Uh, he he's a man who gets impregnated through test tube stuff. It's a comedy. It's wonderful. Oh my god! It's I think I know what I'm watching later today. It's so it's so funny. Arnold Schwarzenegger super underrated in his comedic roles. 
Yeah. Kindergarten Cop, hilarious. Twins with Danny DeVito, one of my favorite movies of all time. Is he a twin with Danny DeVito? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my, you need to watch these. They're so good. <laughs> so Junior makes 37 million. So like two big movies come in. Mm-hmm. The previous weekend, so the weekend before it came out, two movies came out, but I'm only going to mention one right now because I'm saving the other one. Interview with the Vampire came out oh, the week before. Yeah. It made 105 million. You were still competing with that. I mean, you don't you don't get in the way of good looking vampires. No. You just don't. That's a lot of movies already that it had to compete with. Movies that are like beloved classics way more than this one. Here's some other contenders that were still in theaters at the time. Pulp Fiction, which made oh, 108 yeah. million. And The Lion King, <laughs> which was the number one grossing movie of 1994 with 422 million. It came out in June. <laughs> And it was still in the top 10 when this movie came out in November, November 18th. In oh, fact, okay. the weekend this movie came out, November 18th, that weekend, Lion King came in fourth place. Wow. It beat this movie that weekend. Oh, but yeah. Here's the big one. Do you know what other Christmas classic came out in 1994, the weekend before this movie? No. What? You mentioned it already. I did? The Santa Claus. Really? Tim Allen. Came out the same year. That movie made $146 million. It came out the weekend before this. This movie stood no chance. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good this movie was. It was getting overpowered by the Santa Claus. Yeah. If you're going to see a holiday movie, everyone was going to see the Santa Claus. Because that one's fun. Yeah. This is a drama. Well, not a comedy. It's a comedy drama. Yeah. I laughed a lot watching this movie. Maybe I, mean, I wasn't supposed to. There's laughs in it, but like it was definitely more dramatic than anything else. But just how crazy is that? Those Insane. two movies came out within a week of each other. Of course it was going to get blown away. So that's why it only made $17 million, and that's why nobody ever talks about it anymore. Which is really sad because this was actually one of my favorite holiday movies growing up. Which is really surprising. Better than The Santa Claus? I... I actually think I liked it more. I like this one more. Still today? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Bam, that, this one doesn't have a Disney Plus show, does it? No. Well, I still haven't watched that. I also haven't watched like some of the sequels of the Santa Claus. Two was okay. Three was absolute trash. Except for Martin Short was in it, and I love him oh. as Jack Frost. Yeah. So that's really good. I haven't watched the TV show. Yeah. But this one, and it could all be for like one reason, and we're going to talk about him enough. But this one has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Even as a kid, which is weird because this is this is not a kid's movie. This is not a kid's movie. And I think that's why it got blown away too because the Santa Claus is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. But did it hold up for critics? Were critics liking it when it came out? So Roger, he gave it three stars. And the quote I grabbed from him was, There will never really be a movie to replace the 1947 Miracle on 34th Street, nor a performance to replace Edmund Gwen's. But uh, this modern update is a sweet, gentle, good-hearted film that stays true to the spirit of the original and doesn't try to make anything slick and exploitative. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because that man loves story and this entire movie is just story. Uh, the Rotten Tomato critics have it at a 60%, which equates to a 6.2 out of 10. Uh, the audience have it at a 62%, but a 7.2 out of 10. Okay, so audiences liked it more, except they never went and saw it. <laughs> yeah. Cinema score, though, an A. So well, those those well, who saw it 
thought it was, you know, it was pretty good. Well, they knew what they were getting. Yeah, they, I mean, it's a remake. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Santa Claus on trial. Got it. <laughs> Done. And there's going to be a cute little kid that has to believe in Santa Claus. That just disappears for a while. Uh, the, di- <laughs> <laughs> the director of this movie was Les Mayfield. The writer of this movie is John Hughes. How it didn't go on to do millions, we'll never know. And it's very interesting seeing a Hughes movie that isn't based in high school. <laughs> well, he did I, a lot of them. He did yeah. a lot of them. So I feel like this might be either my first or I just haven't realized that he's written other movies. A uh, Hughes movie that wasn't the, the high school experience. Yeah. And I like the writing in this m- movie. Yeah, it might be one of his most underrated scripts. Uh, the cast, pretty interesting in this movie. So I'm going to tell you who the actor is and who they played. And I just want your initial reaction. What you thought about them in this movie. Okay. Robert Prosky played Judge Harper. He is able to have like a grand, like a, a presence to him. That makes you feel like he is a judge. And he is able to portray the conflict that he's under in such a way that it is beautiful. Yeah. He had a prolific career. All the way back, like Broadcast News, The Great Outdoors, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, (laughs) Uh, Last Action Hero, which is another Schwarzenegger movie, which is probably his most underrated movie. I absolutely love it. Rudy, Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. Uh, And then Dudley Do-Right. I think he's good. He, he's one of the top notch actors in this movie mm-hmm. where you totally believe everything he's doing just comes across really well. Next up, we have Mara Wilson, who plays Susan Walker, the little girl. She hams up this performance, but you can definitely tell why she gets uh, Matilda after this, because she is able to have that like, I'm a 70 year old woman in a like six year old body. Yeah. She, um, she's believable, but... You know, it definitely seems like she's really hamming it up. <laughs> this or Matilda? Which one's a better performance from her? Um, probably Matilda. Okay. I think she honed in her craft in the next, like, two years. She got to work with the judge before, Robert Prosky, because uh, she was the daughter in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. I always forget that. And then she's gone on to do a ton of voice work for all different things. Dylan McDermott plays Brian Bedford, the lawyer and neighbor who constantly has to babysit little Susan. He is cute, but he's a little meh to me. Oh, he's way more than cute. Come on. That's an attractive man. That, that's what I mean. Like, he, he's a cute, like, personality, but also really, really good looking. Yeah. But... What more could you want? I don't know. He just... Meh. Maybe it's because there's so much going on that that whole storyline is just meh to me well yeah because he takes center stage in the trial part of the movie and who gives a crap about all that (laughs) next we have elizabeth perkins who plays dory walker susan's susan's mom now she's probably the my least favorite in the entire cast i feel like shut your mouth no i like her as an actress i just don't think she gave her all to this performance where i got very one note from her I didn't get the underlying like emotion that I feel like I should have gotten, especially towards Brian. Uh, you may know Elizabeth Perkins from Big. Mm-hmm. She played Susan in that, who falls for a 10-year-old boy. Uh, she was Wilma in the Flintstones. Oh. She was the voice of uh, Nemo's mom in Finding Nemo. For like two seconds, yeah. Yeah, for the little first 
uh, part of the movie. And then she played Aunt May in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, she really? She's the voice of Aunt May. Wow. All right. Last one. I have a couple little mentions here, but the last big one to talk about. Richard Attenborough, who plays Chris Kringle, slash Santa Claus? He is the Santa Claus of Santa Clauses, in my opinion. He was wonderful. Like, every time he smiled, my heart just melted. And I, I can't picture another person who would be as good of a Kris Kringle Santa Claus. Me. I'm so joyful. You do No. <laughs> Get off my lawn, kids. You're not getting any presents. You would make a better Grinch Damn. than... Ebenezer Scrooge. That's who oh. I am right there. 100%. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Um, Richard Attenborough is is amazing. Always has been. Always will be. I've only seen him in, like, I only I think only the two movies. And he kind of has the same expression on his face in both movies. For most of the movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, sure. What I know him most as is his voice as the narrator for Planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Plus a, a ton of other stuff. He's narrated so many things. But Planet Earth was one of my favorite documentary series. I watched it a lot. And he was the voice. He's the voice I knew. He is, has just one of those recognizable voices, kind of like uh, Morgan Freeman. Like you eh, just... No, it's not as recognizable. Additional people, just quick mentions. Ed Collins, the lawyer who's trying to prove Santa's not real, is played by J.T. Walsh. He appears in a ton of stuff. He's always good. He's a B player, but damn, he gives his all. Oh, yeah. It, it was a great performance by him because he had to do, like, I don't believe this guy, but he might also be Santa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Jane Levy's plays Alberta Leonard, who is the woman who works for the rival company trying to slander Santa's name. Mm-hmm. She just has this mean look to her, which I think is just fantastic. And yet, at the by the end, she's like, I, I have the secret, I believe pin. Yeah. And it's, it's such a great moment. And then the last person I have to bring up, because I think he's amazing, uh, is James Remar, who plays Jack Duff, the male trying to slander Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. I first was introduced to James Remar when he took over as Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Ooh. That was my first introduction to him. And then he just pops up in movie after movie after movie. And every time he pops up, for the longest time, I was like, oh, it's Raiden. And then I learned his name. And now I get so excited when it's like, that's James Remar. Stoked. So, so he's a that guy. But now well, you not know anymore. his name. He was a that guy for the longest time. Now he's James Remar. <laughs> he's earned name status. You have earned name status, sir. Great job. All right. Here's some research I found for this movie. Yeah. Some interesting stuff. So in the 1947's version, Macy's was the name of the store that hired Santa. When they went to go do the remake, they called Macy's and was like, hey. We're going to use your name again. And they were like, absolutely the hell not. They didn't give permission to use their name. No idea why. I can speculate and say it's because they were struggling financially at the time. And considering that Coles, the name of the store in the movie, is struggling. Maybe Macy's didn't want to like jinx themselves mm -hmm. and put it out there because not a lot of people knew they were struggling at the time. So they didn't want that connection. But that could be why. It's just weird. It's a name. Just let them use it. Yeah, but now it makes me, every time they said Coles in the movie, it makes me think of the actual department store, you know, it's spelled K-H-O-L-H. Is it K-O-H? K-O-H-L-S. Ah, yeah. K-O-H-L apostrophe S. Yeah. 
Kohl's. So, yeah. That Kohl's. And I'm like, brand recognition. How would right? I go to Kohl's? If it was Macy's, there you go. Yeah, go to Macy's. Um, they during, support Santa. <laughs> during the theatrical release, the original release, Fox, who helped distribute this movie, offered refunds to people who did not like the movie. You could send in your ticket, your proof of seeing the movie, and they would refund you your money for the opening weekend. It was the opening yeah. weekend only. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, because you could also get people who actually enjoyed the movie and were just like, ha ha ha, send sure. it back. Uh, it didn't hurt them that bad, though. Only about 1,500 tickets were returned, which made up about $6,000 back in 1994. Ugh. So, okay, we'll add 16000 to their mediocre-ass box office anyway. You mean 6000 6000 that's what I said. You said sixteen. Oh, about six grand. That's it. That's not bad, but that's still weird. Why yeah. would you give out that six grand? Don't even put that out there. You're immediately giving people a notice like you don't trust this movie. It's either that or they were trying to do like the, well, the people come first, kind of like in the movie. So, uh. Yeah, they definitely were pulling a Coles. Yeah, they, yeah. they were trying to pull a Coles and it, it does not sound like it worked well. So this movie was scheduled to have a very small theatrical release under 800 theaters nationwide. Mm -hmm. Until they sent it to test audiences. Test audiences gave it 100% approval. Wow. They were like, we're good. Don't change anything. Put it out. We love it. It's great. That meant Fox changed everything. They tripled the marketing budget and they were like, we're going to make it wide release. And it backfired tremendously on them. Aww. It peaked at 1,255 theaters in its third week of release, which is, you know, 150% more theaters than they were originally planning mm -hmm. and as you can see it made zero money there was no reason <laughs> all the people who wanted to see it were in the test audience <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> i think this movie opening over 1000 theaters wasn't the play if they would have opened it in like 400 theaters let people see it maybe word of mouth spreads and then you expand it and then you expand it even farther but going wide right away i think that's what hurt it Honestly, what hurt it was the Santa Claus. They could have gone wide release, and without that competition of that holiday movie, they would have done fine. I don't think so. This still isn't like a family movie. This isn't something like... Back in 94, you were one, so you mm -hmm. don't remember. I was old enough. You didn't just like... You didn't plan what movie you were going to go see or anything like that. Sometimes you just went to the theater and you just saw something. This is not a movie that you would just go to the theater and pick, I'm going to watch that. Unless somebody told you it was good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like if nobody told you a movie was good in 94, you're not going to go see it. This isn't a movie that you're just walking in and going, I'll take two for that. Mm -hmm. But Santa Claus, on the other hand, you could. You've see heard that. a little word of mouth about it. This one should open slow and grew and it didn't. And it failed. It failed miserably. Yeah. So just insane. Sometimes studios, I don't know what the they're thinking. They just do weird shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. <sighs> a big sigh big, already. Big sigh, big sigh. The whole opening to this movie is dumb as hell. Yeah. Chris Kringle's just walking down the street. He happens to see this fake Santa drinking. Or no, first he gets on a freaking, the giant sleigh. Yeah, he, he's... Who just, who just lets him on the sleigh? Well, he, he apparently is showing him how to use the whip. Mm -hmm. Like how to uh, pr mm -hmm. appropriately use the whip. Don't care. I don't understand it. Just random dude jumping up on a sleigh. He notices this fake Santa's drinking. 
this is all for the Macy's Day Parade, the Coles Day Parade. <laughs> and it's like the dumbest setup ever. And I know it pays off later, kind of. Yeah. But I also hate that payoff. And it's just, I, I, I don't, why? It honestly makes me question how many mall slash parade Santas are drunk All at of any them. given time. <laughs> All of them, literally in my knit, I just have, uh, they make such a big deal about this Santa being drunk. They're all drunk. Most of them are drunk. I mean, we even have a, a scene later where we have the bar and all the Santas are there. Right. And the problem is he's not even like drunk. It's not like he was like chugging this bottle. He took a sip of it. Yeah. And I mean, clearly it, it shows more when he goes to climb up. But, you know, Chris has already literally freaked out freaks, on him. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a dumb opening. Like, I could understand it if, you know, it, it happened after, like, when his butt crack was shown, when his pants fell down, that's when he freaked out on him. But to just freak out on him for having, like, a sip. And he didn't even really know what a sip was. There's no way you saw what that was. I know you're Santa Claus or whatever, but, like, go f*** yourself. <laughs> it's just a really bad setup for the movie. And it makes me like, it makes me not like Kris Kringle. yeah. It also makes me not like uh, Mrs. Walker, because why do you keep hiring this guy if you know he's he has a problem with alcohol? Well, I don't think she knows. Well, clearly Susan knows, because later on she comments to her mom and is like, is it this guy? No, he, he you know, is not doing it for this year. And she's like, oh, he was sloshed, wasn't he? Or something to that effect. Like, she knew oh, that I don't he was drunk. This. Yeah. So clearly it's been an issue before, and yet you keep hiring him. Yeah, well, they can't hire him anymore because he's drunk. So she goes and hires this random fucking stranger because it's last minute. And he's perfect. And he's perfect. Okay, this is a nit, but I got to do it right here. Yeah. The whole the whole first like 15 minutes of this movie, we hear about how he's the perfect Santa Claus 17,272 times. Yeah. For doing what? He literally just stands, waves, and says, Merry Christmas. How the f- is he the best Santa? Well, he also is, like, absolutely perfect visually. No, he's not. Santa. Santa has a big white beard. This dude has a scraggly little... I'm sorry, did you just start growing that yesterday? White beard. <laughs> not everyone can grow a beard like you can. That's not the point. Santa should. That's fair. It's it just, like, he literally is just waving. And everybody's like, he's the best Santa ever. Oh, my God. Like, this other store tries to steal him from Kohl's because he's the best Santa ever. Mm-hmm. Dude is doing nothing different. He looks like every other Santa out there. But he literally goes on dancer, on dancer, on dasher, on prancer. There's a, there's a reindeer called dancer. No. On dasher, on dancer, on prancer, on vixen, on comet, on cupid, on donner, on blitzen. That's all the reindeer. Really? There's yeah. a dancer? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he does that whole mo Like, his whole, like... I don't care. I just did he the reindeer. Well. I'm not the best Santa. Yeah, because you didn't actually put effort into it. Because I'm going to... I'm not going to do it. You want me to do it right now? Yeah. Just full effort? Full effort. On Dasher. On Dancer. On Prancer. On Vixen. Come on. Nah, that wasn't great. No, because I'm Scrooge. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I'm the evil Santa. <laughs> Come on. We already discussed this. No, it's just, just like... It pisses me off because they do. They overdo it. They they you know what? push how good they, he is. They knew what I know, and that's Richard Attenborough is the best Santa ever. 
But it's such like telegraphing this thing later of mm-hmm. so James Remar's character, Jack, who who tries to slander Santa, they don't even bring him into the trial later, yet he's the one on the phone with that that head guy being like, he's the best Santa ever. He's so believable. I hate to say this, Mr. Lamberg, but Coles has got one hell of a Santa Claus this year. If I didn't know better, I'd say he was the real article. I absolutely laugh at his line of Exactly. They're literally just telegraphing that he's really Santa. So when we get to the trial later, who the hell cares? Yeah. All right. So then we meet Susan and we meet Miss Walker and we meet all these people and they don't believe in Santa. And I appreciate that. Well, Miss Walker doesn't believe and she taught Susan not to believe, but Brian wants her to believe. Brian thinks she should make up her own mind. And, like, it's okay to believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's wanting her to believe. He just wants her to know it's okay if she does. Ah. I don't think he's, like, trying to force it on her. That's fair. He's not, like, sitting her sitting her down, like, handing her Santa Claus books. And he's like, read this. You must believe. I mean, he does bring her to sit on his lap. Well, because he just later. wants her to have that experience. And she's never had it. And she's a child. That's fair. Again, not forcing it. I like Brian a lot in this. I do and I don't. I think we've already had this conversation. You, <laughs> you look at it all wrong. So Brian likes Mrs. Walker. Uh-huh. Mrs. Walker likes Brian, but she's reserved because her former husband, I don't think they were married, but whoever Susan's dad is, mm-hmm. dipped on her when she got pregnant. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to be a boss bitch now. I'm going to take, I, I don't need no man. I'm going to work for myself. Yeah, you're already there. Your your daughter's like five. You can back it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. We we get it. You're great. And Brian's just doing that. He's just like, I love your daughter. I love talking to you. Like, why aren't we an item? And she's like, ah, stop it. Oh my God. No. That is not what she's like at that all. That is 100%. Dude, she's literally smiling at him and making those goo-goo eyes at him the whole movie while saying no. I got a very awkward feeling from her like her being awkward the entire time like i don't i don't want this but my kid keeps trying to force this Nah, so. you didn't read it right you just didn't read it right maybe you didn't no read you it right. definitely they end up together at the end i 100 percent read it right which i absolutely hate because i don't think they put enough in there of them actually liking each other i mean obviously brian likes her but dude okay so Halfway through the movie, he pulls out an engagement ring on a date with yeah. her. And is like, you know, we should just get married. And she's like, I don't know what impression I gave you, but no. This dude is a lawyer. He's not an idiot. He's not pulling out a ring if he didn't think there was an actual chance. Yeah, but then he freaks out on her and is like, I've given you everything. I, I love your daughter. Like, I you know, that Because like, he's mine. just trying to open up the door. I know, but <sighs> it's that whole idea of expecting love because you give love but he's not he's expecting love because he knows she loves him i know it's just a slippery slope and i know you hate this relationship i do i absolutely do and i i don't think it's given near enough time as it needs to have Mm -hmm. the emotional impact by the end but i don't think it's near as as creepy or wrong as you do yeah it's like once again i know that she actually has feelings for him i just don't like i i i know it in my mind 
but, yeah, but my that's heart an... doesn't tell me that they have a thing. That's because Elizabeth so... Perkins doesn't play it that way. There you she go. She should have. And there's moments, but the character is supposed to have feelings for him. But she didn't. So we can only yeah, do well, what was in the movie. She's a bad actress in this movie. That's fair. That's why she's, I said so. She's not great. I do like her character, though. Yeah. I do like this whole, she interrupts the heads of Coles when Santa gets arrested for assault. Mm-hmm. they're having a meeting about how they need to distance themselves from Santa. I love when she just walks in and she's like, uh, Mrs. Walker, we are in conference. I have just read your press release. You are all such a bunch of cowards. You really don't deserve to run the store. You're wusses, basically. Right? Bunch of pussies. <laughs> Get your heads out your asses and go save this man and back him. We've never been more profitable and half of it's because of this guy. Most of it's from that guy, yeah. yeah. I love that. What a boss moment for her. Yeah. And she's really good in that moment, because I believe her. Yeah. When he's like, you don't belong in here. And she just walks towards him anyway, like, she didn't even hear what he said. No, I do belong in oh, here. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So good. But anyway, you know, he, he does so well, they have him have a contract to be their mall Santa, basically. He's not, a, he's not a mall Santa. He's a store Santa. Yeah. It's different. I, well, you know. What kills me about this, and it's it's kind of a nit, but it kills me, is that Coles is suffering, right? They are doing really bad. And yet they have the, the money and everything to set up basically children's wonderland, Santa's wonderland. Yeah. Well, they do it every year. That's just stuff they have. But it's like extreme as a kid of the 90s, that's what it looked like. <laughs> if you went to Santa, like we've been to the mall when mm-hmm. you see a Santa and it's like, he's got a little chair and there's like some candy canes and maybe some fake snow on the ground. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. In the 90s, you like walked into Santa's village to go sit on his lap. In a store? Oh, yeah. Not just in like the entire mall. No, no, no. In a store. 100%. Oh, that's so much work. They did it every year. They'd clear stuff, but it worked. It got people in that store, especially if you had a good Santa and you had the right times. That's fair. Get people in your store and then you got to shop. Yeah, he definitely had a very good Santa. I love the idea here. So this movie's got a lot of cool themes in it. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of like Santa real, how how real is he? How much should we back him governmentally? You know, that kind of idea, the belief in him. Another little theme that gets glossed over after about 20 minutes of this movie is he, as Santa, is telling people where they can get toys. Don't make me look bad. Them things cost 70 bucks. He just looked at them. I tell you what, Shoppers Express have got them on sale at $34.99 with a $5 rebate. Now, that's reasonable enough, isn't it? That's all that matters is your kid's happy. Go get the toy. Mm-hmm. And then... We get a bomb-ass cameo. Allison Janney comes in as a mom who tells the the manager of Kohl's about what Santa's doing. Do you know he told me to go to another store? Because I could get the thing cheaper and he's pointing people in all these directions. And the manager's pissed at this point. And he's walking away. He's about to go fire Santa. And she goes, You tell your Santa Claus that he made a Kohl's shopper out of me. I'm coming here for everything but toilet paper and bananas. And like she does this whole wonderful speech. That's when this guy comes up with this idea, promote Santa. It doesn't matter if we have the lowest prices. What matters is the customer being happy. And that will keep them coming back to us because they know they can trust us. Oh yeah. 
So many other stores need to take a lesson from this. Mm-hmm. But it's such a great theme that unfortunately just they stop. Yeah. Super quick after that. One going back to Alice and Janie's performance, it's wonderful a wonderful performance because she's delivering these lines as if she's pissed. Like super like PO'd. And that's what you're kind of getting from it. And then that flip happens of you've made a Cole's customer out of me. And it's just like, I've I've seen customers do that. Yeah. Of like they seem pissed off, but actually they're like proud of what you're doing. Yeah. And that's kind of what it feels like. And and just watching the movie, you're kind of proud of Coles too for taking that stance of like, yeah, let's put the customer first because as we see with their competitor, who's the villain of this movie, Harumph Harumph, corporate espionage evilness, um, they they don't. And so you kind of see why you should root for Coles in general. Again, a cooler story to tell yeah. is Santa saving this company through his genuine kindness. Yeah. And not this trial that they're going to go into. Yeah. <laughs> there's so, that's the thing about this movie that yeah. just pisses me off is there's like three or four good movies in here that just not enough time is ever spent on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he's this Santa, he's meeting all the kids. At the same time, he's saying to himself... I have to make believers out of Susan and her mom. That is my goal in life. That's his goal. Well, in this moment, that's his goal. Like, and it's he, like he sometimes, for some reason, decides that if he can't make Susan believe, then he is a failure of Santa. And it's like, but that's just one kid. <laughs> yeah, but he needs every kid. He's like Tinkerbell. Every kid has to believe. <laughs> but he's so that's his mission. So what's really fucked up though is at the same time. Susan and her mom are plotting to ask this Santa for a a really unbelievable gift. Something that's impossible to get. Because Susan starts kind of believing. She sees him, like, she sits on his lap and he says all these different languages of, like, you know, who he is around the world. And then she sees other times in which he's being, like, a cool Santa, you know? Yeah, he's like, the best Santa. We've like he already even established gives her, this. Gives her like a little wink. And she's like, I'm starting to believe. Like, is it okay if I believe? And her, her mom comes up with like, I think a really actually interesting solution. Yeah, ask him for something you would ever ask me for. And if you get it, he's real. If you don't, then you know. So that's a nit of mine. Really? Yeah, it's a big nit of mine. Is It sounds really clever, mm-hmm. but it is the most manipulative shit on this planet. Yeah. To be like, I'm going to fuck your mind up so much. You're starting to believe this is Santa? Well, too bad. Now we're going to manipulate him into being an absolute failure so that you stop believing in Santa. That is just awful. That is cruel. That is wrong on so many levels. The movie tries to play it up as in like, it's so clever. No. (laughs) This mother needs her daughter taken away from her. Yeah. It's that bad. Especially because she leaves her home all the time. Yeah, we we are going to get to that because... Yeah, we are. That just... That's that's so bad. So, she's starting to believe everything's going. Now, this other company comes in and they're like, we want you to be our Santa. He declines. I've already signed a contract with Coles. What do they do? They set him up to attack a guy so that he'll get arrested. And they can, like, frame him as this psycho guy. Mm-hmm. So that he'll get fired and then everything goes away. Which could have worked. Could have worked. But what's really interesting, and they never touch upon it again. So he attacks this guy. Who's the guy he attacks? 
the Santa he replaced. Exactly. So it's a really well thought out plan. He attacks this guy. He gets arrested. They realize, ah, that guy was never hurt. He was faking it. You're totally sound. Like, everything's good. You can go. But he fails his psychological exam. And that's why this whole trial starts. Okay. We never again touch upon him failing his psychological exam. It's never brought up in the trial. It's never talked about other than this one scene where Brian's like, I don't know why you did it, but I know you did it. How the f*** do you know he did it? Why are you just assuming that he's not actually kind of crazy? You're just (laughs) all on board. And then we never get an answer on whether or not he actually lied on this exam. He alludes to the fact that he did fail it on purpose in that conversation in which he's like, you know, if I'm written off as a crazy old man, then people can still believe in the the idea of Santa. Like, I don't want to tarnish that good name with my action. He's Santa. He should not be alluding to anything. He should just be answering the question. You want to, you want people to believe in you? You want to be good and kind? Answer the question. Except then they know Santa attacked someone, you know? That, I mean, even though... But he didn't because we've already cleared it. Yeah, but the media went nutso. Like, this is a good representation of the media, by the way. Because, you know, it goes from he tried to attack the one dude to he went on an onslaught of, like, multiple hits and he just went crazy. Without any apparent provocation, struck him repeatedly with a walking stick. Good representation of the media because that's exactly what happens. But, you know, the, the entire world has basically seen that and he wants to come they across as the anything. actual Santa. They saw like two pictures in a newspaper. It's yeah. not like there was media coverage. There was a couple pictures. But the world, like we're given um, clips of media outlets covering it. Yeah, so fine. whatever. Because literally the next day as Mrs. Walker is going to work, she walks past the longest freaking line to get into Kohl's. So it's not like those people stopped caring. Because mm-hmm. I assume they're all there to see the Santa. They're all people holding kids. Yeah, or in support. So it's not like they care. So if they would have been like, listen, it was all a lie. It was all a setup. People would have just forgave him. They would have came back to him. The whole rest of the movie doesn't need to happen. And that's what Brian kind of has to convince him of. Yeah. So now they're going to go to trial. Yeah. Okay. First of all, this is where I'm just out. (laughs) I was enjoying the first half of the movie somewhat. And now it's a completely different movie. And I'm out. Now, I like the second half of the movie, yeah. but not after the first half. That's fair. Because they don't go together. Said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more. They don't go together. So they got to go to trial. And the whole point of the trial is this man believes he's Santa. Now, we have to determine on if he's crazy old white guy who is lying about being Santa. Or we have to confirm that Santa could be real. And it could be this guy. And it could be this guy. We're not saying it is this guy. We're just saying the idea of Santa is real and it might be him. Might be him. Mm-hmm. That's a cool concept too. Oh yeah. We're not trying to prove he is Santa. We're trying to prove Santa can exist. That's awesome. Could be this guy. Yeah. yeah. So cool. It's a good trial. Again, I like the whole trial. I like everything they do. I love that he brings up little kids as a witness to be like, who's Santa? He points right at him. Who isn't Santa? Him. Why? Because he's got a grumpy face. Perfect. (laughs) Child stuff. We need more of that. Yeah. I love when Brian, who's the defense attorney, brings the prosecutor's wife on the stand 
It's what a moment. It's a clever moment too. It's you know, hilarious. Did you and your husband basically tell your kid Santa was real? Yes. Multiple times? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cool. Like the entire prosecution's case, it should be thrown out right there and then. Mm-hmm. Or it should be a conflict of interest or something. It should. This movie doesn't know how to court case very well. <laughs> because I understand it's not a jury case, but it's still a case in front of a judge that's going to rule on it. They're not sharing evidence with each other. They're not telling each other that they have witnesses. Mm -hmm. They're surprise witnesses. That's not how court works. I mean, we should have probably known that this is not how court works because this is the speediest trial ever. Oh, it's been days. Ever. Days. Because it still ends on December 24th. Well, yeah, but we don't know when it started. I mean, he. we know that it was Thanksgiving when the parade happened. Yeah, and then it's only been a couple of days, and then he gets arrested. Wow. I mean, trial could have been like three weeks. Mm, we'll I come, don't know. We're going to come back to that Christmas okay. Eve thing, though. So we go through this whole trial, and they have to convince. And I love the moment when the judge is like, listen, I don't want to rule against your client, but I can't rule for him either, because mm -hmm. that's crazy. It's crazy. If I had an out, I would take it. Yeah. Like, I love that the judge is looking for a way to solve this peacefully. Mm-hmm. But he can't find one. Because they are the, either he's going to look like a nutcase saying this dude is Santa, or he's going to condemn an innocent man to a life in an insane asylum. What I also really appreciate is when we initially get the judge and the prosecutor... prosecutor is like, ah, oh, this is an open shut case. You know, we really want this done speedy. And the judge kind of takes a moment. He's like, we? Oh, well, justice has to prevail after he's told that. Yeah, it's but then he the takes company. it. He wants the money. He wants the support in his reelection. Yeah. But as so soon as there's another one. Don't too much. As soon as there's a defense to it, he's like, oh. Oh. He still wants the money. Yeah. He's not, he's not almighty judge. Okay. So. We go through the trial. He even brings in a reindeer. The prosecution brings in a reindeer as a witness. Make him fly. Make him fly. Well, I would greatly like to oblige Mr. Collins, but I cannot make this reindeer fly. <laughs> I didn't think so. He only flies on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. When did that ever happen? You know, in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, they fly all the time. They literally practice flying. They don't fly on just Christmas Eve, you freaking liars. Hey, there is lore that can be to this Santa, okay? You know what I really wished for? An mm. Air Bud moment. <laughs> I wanted Santa to stand on, like, one side and call the reindeer and, like, have the reindeer go to him. That would have been fun. Disappointing. Very disappointing. So we go through the whole trial, then Brian has an epiphany. Well, looking at a dollar bill, talking about money, mm -hmm. and he sees the words, in God we trust, on the dollar bill. And he gets this great idea. The next morning, right before the judge is going to say his ruling on mm -hmm. the case, little Susan, she walks up to the judge's bench, hands him a Christmas card. It's got a dollar bill in it. The words, in God we trust, are circled. How lucky that he got the message. Yeah, that he understood it. Yeah. Because the whole idea is... If our federal government can say in God, a an entity that is invisible, that is more of a belief than anything, 
if we can say that on our national currency, then why can't we say Santa Claus is real? Mm -hmm. There's no reason we can't. Yeah. And that's a message. And that's what changes the tide. Then the judge rules in favor of the defense. Santa Claus may be real. We're not saying that this is the man. We're just saying the idea of Santa Claus is real. I absolutely love this speech. Oh, it's great. I think it's so fantastic. It's it's explains his reasoning mm-hmm. very eloquently. And it makes you go, yeah. Yeah. Santa could be real. And so they win their case. Santa gets to be Santa. Chris Kringle with two K's. Two K's and two S's. Yep. Which is weird because every time I've ever seen it, it's always one S. K-R-I-S. Which is funny because reading Roger Ebert's review, he also brings up the two S's. He's like, for some unknown reason. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't get it. So the trial's over and everybody's celebrating. (laughs) Mrs. Walker gets a letter, a Christmas card from Brian that says, Urgent, meet me at the church after mass tonight. And Brian gets a letter from Mrs. Walker Says, meet me at the church. Urgent. They meet at the church and a priest is like, it's time to get married. And they get married. Yeah. Why do you get married just because... uh, Santa told you to? Yeah. Some random white guy told you. They don't even invite the kid? No. The kid is just left home alone. Yeah. At midnight. Is Kris Kringle watching her? No, because he's busy. Also, another nit. Because... We'll get there. Okay. Then the next morning... When Susan's sitting at the Christmas tree, her mom walks up with her robe and her cup of coffee and blah, blah, blah. And then Brian walks up, puts his arm around her in his robe. Just traumatize this kid, why don't you? She has no (laughs) idea you got married. She doesn't know why man's coming out of her mom's room. Super awkward and weird. I mean, she had an inkling because she suddenly had a ring on her finger, but... Yeah, what a weird moment. John Hughes, though. Yeah. Good script. He's always got to have these weird moments in him, though. Mind you, this is... Part of what Susan asked Santa for that she never asked anyone else for. So yeah, this the is part impossible gift was to have a dad, a brother, and a house. She, she's got the dad. And then they get a call that they need to go look at this catalog house. Mm-hmm. So they drive out there. Nope, just kidding. It's their house. Kind of. It's already got their name on the mailbox. Which is so weird because it's like, we got a bonus. But the bonus is still just money. Like it's Right, like you sale. can buy this house. It's fully furnished. Well, then but, why the hell is my name on the And why are you box? handing me keys? Yeah, it's, what a weird moment. They didn't know what to do here. Yeah. Just give her the house. That's her bonus. Yeah. The house. And then Susan's all happy and she's like, oh, I'll still get that one, that third thing. Just, it might take some time. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Nits. Mm-hmm. She leaves her kid home all the time. Alone. All the time. She goes to this church to get married at the end of this movie. At midnight. It's after midnight mass. She goes, the kid's at home. Not only is the kid at home, she's awake. Brian and Susan's friendship is really weird. Why is this lawyer hanging out with his five-year-old all the time? Okay, here's here's a big one. Christmas Eve is when the trial ended. Mm -hmm. If it's Christmas Eve in New York, it is definitely Christmas Day in other parts of the world. Bitch, you are way behind schedule. How are you going to fix this? Well, I mean, nope. time is relative, and he no, talks no, no. about no, stopping he can, time. He can slow time. He cannot reverse time. So if it's already Christmas Day, kids are already waking up, and there ain't no damn presents under that tree. Because this <laughs> mom was caught up in a trial. 
giving the judge a dollar and no one stops her. She just walks up. Everybody's staring at her walk up there. Mm -hmm. But the bailiff is like, nah, it's cool. Whatever. It's a kid. It was the 90s. Tackle her. It was the 90s. Tase her. (laughs) You don't know what she's there for. And then make the fucking reindeer fly. (laughs) This bullshit of about it can only fly on Christmas Eve is nonsense. How are you getting back to the North Pole so fast, Santa? Huh? Oh, you're going to take a reindeer? How'd you get to New York? Took a reindeer? It wasn't on Christmas Eve. Dude, you got to leave it so that you can question whether or not he actually was Santa. These are my nitpicks. Uh I don't have to leave anything. Uh It's ridiculous. (laughs) My, my, My last one. They keep bringing up this retirement home or this senior living home. Mm -hmm. It means nothing to the overall story. They bring it up just to be like, see, he's lying. He lives at this place. We don't know he lives there. What's he doing there? You want to answer any of these questions? You want to explain this senior living home at all? No? Cool. Dumb. (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) Santa has time to be a cold Santa. Isn't he busy? Right, it's Getting the busiest, stuff ready? busiest time of the year. And this is just hanging out in New York. Yeah. Also, damn kid, ask for something attainable. Because it's not like there was free will involved with her ask. <laughs> Can you just make these people fall in love? Think and of Santa. then have a kid? All right, question time. Go ahead. Why is Santa in New York? I have the same question. I have, what the hell was Santa doing hanging out in New York? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the point of him being there? If he's, if he's Santa... Not only that, but he has his reindeer there? I thought you well, lived just like in the North Pole. Just like two of them. Uh, I thought he had more of them. I mean, they were just the two in the zoo that he was visiting. Mm. At least we only see two. Maybe the rest are there. Also, how do you sneak your reindeer into a zoo or whatever? I think he just steals them from the zoo at night. Oh. On Christmas Eve, he takes them. Interesting. What a thief. Yeah, God. Fucking bastard. Um, <laughs> Not my Santa. <laughs> Is Richard Attenborough the best Santa Claus? No. Who's your best Santa Claus? I don't know. You don't have like a person who's the best Santa you've ever seen? No, I think uh, he's a great Santa for this story. Mm. That doesn't mean he's a great Santa overall. Mm. Where the hell does Susan go? She's at school. She literally is in this movie. And then she's like, Santa, I want this unobtainable unobtainable present for Christmas. And then she just disappears for like 40 minutes. And then she shows up and is like, here's a Christmas card, judge. Where the f- did she go? She was is her unimportant. mom leaving her home alone again? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Who brought the lawsuit against Chris? So he attacks that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Why does he take a psyche vow? That should have nothing to do with an assault. <laughs> he should have just been in jail. And then once they realized, oh... He uh, isn't actually hurt and nothing actually happened. He should have just been released. Who pushed for a trial? I mean, clearly the bad guys. The, the bad corporation guys. How? How did they convince everybody to, to psych eval this guy and put him on trial? Because they were literally like, dude, this guy actually thinks he's Santa. That, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. You should psych eval him. It's just weird. I just don't know where the lawsuit came from or like why he's on trial. Yeah. How the hell did they get with thousands of people to cheer exactly at noon with one newspaper, one freaking newspaper ad and thousands of people lined the streets of New York to all cheer at noon? Yeah. Does, does no one work in yeah. New York in December? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> thousands of people just lined the streets of New York to cheer on some random guy they probably not met. Also, why does that work? Well, it doesn't. This dollar bill is what works. That's fair. 
I mean, it, it still weighs heavily on his soul. All right, here's the hard question. Mm. How do you make this movie better? By separating it out into like three different movies. Using this exact story, mm-hmm. how do I make it better? I don't think you can. Uh, what piece of memorabilia do you want? Ooh, um, I want to go. I want the little like the recorder thing he has that plays the the jingle. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think that's really unique. I want Santa's pimp cane. <laughs> that's fair. That man struts with that cane. Mm-hmm. And then he beats people with it. Yeah, dude, Santa's got a temper. It works two ways in this movie, and I love it. Okay, so we had the 1947 version, mm-hmm. the 1994 version. It's been 30 years now. Is it time? Should we get another remake of this? Uh, the remake would be that miniseries. I don't think you should do another movie of this. But, yeah. Let's go into awards. Yeah. Oh, before awards, real oh, quick. Yeah. I have a hot take. Ooh, we haven't done one of these in a while. I know. I brought up say, saying that I have a theory about this movie. Yeah. And I, I think it might be a little warm. It's kind of like a question. I'm going to I'm gonna pose it as a question for you because I have my own ideas and I want to hear yours. Okay. Was the trial all a ploy to get Susan her gift? No. You don't think he set it up so that he would have to get this lawyer and put her, the lawyer and the mom back in each other's path. They, they're they always in each other's path. He literally babysits her kid. It's not like they haven't seen each other in five years. But they were kind of really separated after he proposed, and they didn't talk to each other again until he got arrested. Nah. Ah, uh, I see. That's my theory, is that yeah. this was the plan. For it's him me- to be able to get her those gifts. Nah. That was the plan. Mild theory at best. Hmm. I was, I was hoping you were going to come with like the heat, like it felt like a it ghost felt warm pepper, to me, you know, like a Carolina Reaper wanted like that heat. And you were just like, I don't know. Here's a lob. Here's a softball pitch. Ugh, ugh, ah, weak sauce, man. You're, you don't even have one. So. All right. Awards. Awards. Okay. First up this week is the prestige award. Every magic trick has a third act. The part we call. The Prestige. For the biggest WTF moment in the movie, I'll go first. It's the entire fucking trial. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we got? 45 minutes of the movie here is the biggest WTF moment in the movie. Wipe it off the face of the earth. For me, it's having a man you know who has alcohol issues being your Santa and thinking that's a great idea. But again, maybe she doesn't know. Maybe the daughter's observant enough, but she's so busy at work, she's never noticed. Hmm... Maybe. Next is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. So there is an absolutely lovely scene of Richard Attenborough as Santa. And he gets a little girl onto his lap when he's in Kohl's. And the mom goes up to him and says, you don't have to talk to her. She's deaf. You know, she just wants to see you. And it's a beautiful moment of him just bring, you know, signing to her. And just this girl's face lights up. As she gets to have this communication with Santa that she's never gotten to have before. And I thought this was just a a very heartwarming and beautiful moment that probably is why I think Richard Attenborough is Santa for me. Great scene. Um, I have a fun fact about that scene. Oh. So Richard Attenborough obviously is a director, Oscar winning director, and he had a great idea. So he told Les Mayfield, the director, he can work with the little girl. He can get the little girl, tell the little girl what she's going to sign because this little girl is actually deaf. The actress is deaf. 
So Les Mayfield worked with her to tell her what she needed to say. Richard Attenborough refused to rehearse with her because he knew sign language. And so he wanted to sign to her and get her natural reaction, her genuine response to him signing back to her. To a Santa signing back. Yeah. And that's, that's why that part just has this magic to it. Mm-hmm. Such, such a good scene. I'm going the exact opposite way, though. This is not a heart-wrenching scene. This is not a make-you-feel-good scene, right? My scene is where the pissed-off Santa, that the fired Santa, shows up and starts telling all the little kids how Kris Kringle is not the real Santa. Really? And he's yelling at these kids and he's telling all of them. The one moment that makes it my Psycho Shower Scene Award is as this guy's saying all that, Attenborough's got a kid on his lap and Santa just grabs his cane with all the force and like squeezes it. And it's this great idea of just because he's Santa doesn't mean he can't get angry. Mm -hmm. He's not the embodiment. He's not a freaking Care Bear. He's not an embodiment of sugar and spice and everything nice. He has an edge to him. And this is the perfect encapsulation of that. It adds to that air of is this actually Santa or is this just yeah. a man? Yeah. Because Santa's not supposed to have a temper, but this guy does. Next up is the... Uh, I'll be right back! Award. And it's for your favorite line in the movie. All right. So my award winner. I have some honorable mentions this week. Because mm. it was really hard for me to pick one specific line. But my award winner goes to the very end of the movie. When Susan tells her mom and Brian all the gifts that she asked for. And she says, I'm still waiting on that third thing, but it should come, right? Brian's response is amazing. If Chris said he'd get you something, I bet it's already on the way. (laughs) And we know what the third thing is. The audience knows the third thing. He doesn't. He doesn't know the third thing's a baby brother. And so him (laughs) saying that, him saying it's already on the way... He's like, the funniest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And then, just to push it a little bit more, not line-wise, but scene-wise, she runs up the stairs. Her mom and Brian ask, hey, what was the third thing? And she smiles and says, a baby brother. And they both look at the mom's stomach. She puts her hands on it, and then they look at each other like, oh, sh. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's so funny. Mine is a Richard Attenborough quote. Of course, as Santa. It's when he's talking with Mrs. Walker right before he does a commercial for them. And they're kind of being like, you don't believe in me. And he he pulls out this beautiful line that I think kind of encapsulates the the message of this movie. If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. It feels like a powerful quote to me. Like, it could be super basic if it was anyone else saying it, but Richard Amborough just adds this weight to it, and it just makes me believe, like, yeah, if you don't believe anything, you're going to doubt everything. Great line. Honorable mentions for me. Yeah. The little kid at the beginning, when Santa's trying to cross the street, and this little kid's looking up at him like, oh my god, it's Santa, and he's hitting his grandpa, who turns out to be the judge. Mm -hmm. He's like, grandpa, grandpa. Ask him. Ask him. He leans down to the kid and he's like, I am Santa. And as they're walking across the street, I love that the little kids is like, nuts. I should have gotten his autograph. 
<laughs> it's such a great moment. Little kids in this movie have great moments because my next honorable mention is also a little kid. After he gives his testimony on the stand, he leans over to the judge and he says, do I have to go to jail now? And the judge just smiles and giggles and says, no, 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 you can go back to your seat. And that's the point of this movie. The the magic that Santa brings to kids and makes these things happen. Mm-hmm. This lightheartedness. Another one, I have two more. One is from the judge and it's after the defense, Brian, brought the wife to the stand mm-hmm. and he's done asking her questions. And the judge just goes, Mr. Collins, would you like to cross-examine <laughs> your wife? I love that he puts this little <laughs> laugh in there and that like he's so entertained by what's happening. Yeah. But he can't really show it. It's so good. And then the last one was my runner-up. This almost got my award. And it's from the orderly at the insane asylum. Mm. And as he's taken Brian to see Chris, he just says, this guy ain't dangerous. He may be off his rails a bit, but he ain't nothing. And if he wants to call himself Santa Claus, then God bless him. It is. It, I mean, that is basically the decision that they come to at the end. Yep. If he wants to call himself Santa, let him. Yeah. It's And it comes from a dude who has one scene. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great line. All right, moving on in awards. Next up is the Han Shot First Award. Yeah, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. And this is for what held up the worst since this movie came out. For me, it's the relationship, the romance. It's just non-existent, and I hate the ending for it. That's fair. Mine goes to the story structure. Not knowing what type of story you want to tell. Are you a drama? Are you a comedy? What's important? What's not important? The entire story story structure is completely lost in this movie. Mm. And I think that's why it's kind of hard to watch. And our last award, as always, is the Paul Rudd Award for what held up the best since the movie came out. We're going to have the same answer. It's it's not, not even a joke or a question. What, no, it's Richard Ottenborough. As Santa. It's every time he's on your screen, you are engaged with the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the little smiles he does. It's the way he moves. It's that hard edge to him that he brings to this character. Everything he does just works. Yeah. And that's it. He just... He makes my heart go warm with his smile. Just he looks so genuinely happy. But then he adds that performance of that doubt. Is he actually Santa or not? Yeah. All right. Roll this into your final thoughts and decision. So I've I've loved this movie since I was a kid, which is really weird because this is not a kid's movie. But watching it now, I, I understand why. I appreciate it more now because I am taking away so much from even the the dis jointed three different parts of this movie there's enough to take away from this movie that it's worth watching and for me it holds up because i'm still taking stuff away i'm still getting joy and and sadness and everything out of this movie that i was supposed to get also richard attenborough is santa claus fair uh i'm gonna actually go the opposite way i don't think this movie holds up i think it doesn't have a great storytelling device i think the trial makes no sense I think it loses its way halfway through. I think there is some good about it. And mostly that's in the performances Mm -hmm. and possibly the dialogue. But at the end of the day, that can't make up for a crappy story. That's not uh, directed well. Sorry. It's your opinion. And I completely agree. It is. It's a hard watch in that aspect of it. It is three separate movies. Thanks for joining us as we talked about Miracle on 34th Street Remake from 1994. We'll be back again next week. 
we're going to do another Christmas movie, but we are changing it up a little bit. So normally we do older movies to see if they still hold up. But there was a small Netflix movie that came out. And when I say small, it was nominated for an Oscar. So <laughs> can't be that small. Called Klaus. An animated film about the history and beginning of Santa Claus. And it is such a great Christmas movie that I don't think enough people saw. So we're going to break tradition just a little bit for next week. And we're going to talk about 2019's Klaus. Until next time, remember to be good to yourself, be kind to others, and as always, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.